I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and joining me, reoccurring guest, friend of the pod, Kirk Henderson, aka Kirk Serious Face on Twitter. Kirk, how are you doing, man? Uh, you know, we're recording here. It's uh, Sunday night. I hope you don't mind me saying that. It's been about four hours since the Mavericks' humiliating loss, and I still feel like crap. It is one of those games, right? There's there's some encouraging things to it, but. Of course, the Mavericks do end up losing a game where they were up by 30. Uh, we'll get to that with Kirk. We'll get to all the Luka Doncic stuff. Um, Mavericks playing without him. We'll get to should the Mavericks make a trade, all that good stuff. And, yeah, like Kirk says, we're recording this Sunday night, and so um, not sure when this is going to go up exactly, but it could be, you know, anything could have happened since then. So <laughs> since we just recorded. I'm ready to talk Mavs. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have just I'm – just, I'm just grumpy. How you started, like how you responded to how are you doing is exactly how I, I think you, sh- you would respond every time, like any moment of any day that I ask you. <laughs> <laughs> the people love Kirk, though. The people love Kirk. Um, the Mavericks without Luka Doncic, they played basically five games against the five best teams in the Eastern Conference, and they came away with two wins. Were you encouraged by that result? Big picture, absolutely. This was... The kind of stretch where we should have been horrified because we're a Luka-led team. And the fact that they walk away with two victories against, you know, five of the, the six best teams in the East is really encouraging. I'm really delighted with, with the, the things you can take away from it. Um, specifically, there are two games that they really should have gone four and one, which is preposterous to say out loud. It feels <laughs> greedy. Um, but... You know, when you're looking at what you want from a team as they're building towards the playoffs, this was a really exciting stretch. It, it seriously was. It showed that this team can win in multiple ways. They can do different things to you know to come away with wins. They can go in different environments. This team's been incredible on the road, which is just a crazy thing to hear. And they've also been really good in third quarters, which is something that we're not used to the Mavericks doing. And they're just bucking the trends of all former Mavericks teams. It's kind of crazy, and especially missing your best player and going out and winning. Uh, were you encouraged as, as to – I posted this the other day, and I asked a bunch of people, um, where, what are you, what's your expectation for the Mavericks at the end of the season? At this point in the season, do you expect the Mavericks to just make the playoffs? Do you expect them to win a playoff series? Do you expect them to win two playoff series? Like, How, how far do you think it should go? Uh, after seeing what this team can be like even without Luca, It's a great question. I feel like their end game is going to be very matchup specific. Mm. For example, I think the Clippers blank them. 4-0 sweep. I think the Lakers, they might be one of the most interesting teams for the Lakers to face. Uh, the Rockets are another team. So it, it, it's going to kind of be matchup specific. But talking in the abstract, I think that the goal has changed from making the playoffs to winning a series, being you know competitive and really making a name for themselves. 
my long-term kind of vision has always been to see if the Mavericks could progress along the same lines as the Denver Nuggets. Mm. I think it's safe to say that they're actually ahead of where the Nuggets were last year, which is odd, but the Nuggets were a half away from making the Western Conference Finals. Um, so that's that's kind of where I am right now with them. I'm feeling overwhelmingly positive, which is just not a normal state of mind for me. <laughs> um, I got into, I know we're going to talk about trades in a little bit, and I want to circle back to it, but I actually got into a little bit of a, uh, a, a Twitter you know discussion today because I'm just so pleased with where they are as a unit. Yeah, it's a it's a huge topic right now, and I think people just love trade so much that they just want a trade to happen. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, the idea of the goalposts changing for the Mavericks is fascinating to me because we talk about them as you know at the at the the end of the off season. For me, I I was up and down, wishy-washy on where I thought that they would finish. And it just seemed like there were so many outcomes for this team. And the one that I settled on was, well, they'll probably be 41 to 45 win team. And they'll probably sneak into the eighth seed. Like that's where I thought that this team was. And now we're talking about this team as if they are a playoff team and there's no way that they miss the playoffs. And it's just kind of been kind of this, you know, we've moved the goalposts back on this team. Do you think that maybe they'll regress at all during the season? Or, or are we really sure that this is for sure a solid you know, good playoff team. So from what I've understood from people who are much better at analytics than me, when it comes to their shooting percentages based on the shots that they're getting, meaning basically the entire roster, the Mavericks are shooting something like 2% above their expected field goal percentage, which is wildly outside of just about everyone else in the league. Now, my, my, my heart says that they're, they're fine and they're going to continue, but I just don't know because you know, tonight's a really good example. You know, Bobby Corrala of the Mavs tweeted something of the effect that this is the seventh straight game that the Mavericks have hit 14 threes. I don't see how their, how their, their percentages fall off because it's not like they're shooting that great of a percentage. They're just shooting a ton of them. They don't really – well, everyone but Tim Hardaway Jr. doesn't really shoot bad shots. <laughs> and, you know, when you look at it from some, like that big-picture perspective, I just don't see how they fall off because they just keep coming. I mean, you know, they're missing Luka Doncic, and they hung 100 and – what was it, 118 on the Sixers? With everybody. The Sixers I mean, that had their whole starting five. Yeah, and, and they're – I, I just don't see what like it feels like they're kind of playing a different game like they're a you know not, I, this is a cross sport comparison is probably terrible but I feel like they're the they're a little bit like the Rams were in the NFL last year where they just kept shocking people with how they were playing and they'd put up you know large point totals and every now and again bad things would happen like the the Super Bowl um, but <laughs> it, it's it's you know the Mavericks are really just I, I they're just in a good spot offensively and I just don't see where that regresses. Yeah, that they they're doing they're doing the things that you would want a team playing well to do. They're doing those things well, you know, and they are taking a ton of threes and if they can hit those then they usually, you know, then it usually bodes well for the Mavericks for sure. Moving the ball, they're, you know, running their offense and um, except for the fourth quarter against the Raptors, they're not really getting 
they're not really getting pushed to run something else besides their own offense. And when they have Luca back, they'll have something else to run besides just their motion offense. They can run the ISO guy. They have that superstar player. He changes their ceiling. He changes their floor and their ceiling. They have that guy that can mm-hmm. get a shot for you in, you know, playoff moments. And it's just, it's a real luxury for, you know, you mentioned comparing them to the, the Denver Nuggets. And I think it's a good comparison, but the difference between those two teams and why you say that, the Mavericks are ahead is because they have that guy. The Mavericks have that guy that can get them a bucket whenever they need in those games that are going to be tightly contested. It's pretty crazy. I mean, what happened? Where did this team come from? Well, you're going to laugh at this, and I just need to throw this out there. Um, (laughs) Adam Mares and Anthony Irwin of uh, the Locked On Network as well, have they're on one of the various Locked On National podcasts. Yep. Did you know that 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 Jokic has scored eight game winners in the last 100 games? <laughs> That's Sorry, crazy. I just need to throw that. I need to throw that out there because like he's like uh, he's like un, uh, he's not discussed enough as a guy who can go get you a bucket. But yes, you're you're right. I'm there. It's, it feels so strange because I'm just not used to being. You know, I'm mad today that they lost to the Raptors because I believe that they can do more. Not because I think that they got unlucky, but because they made a mistake. Mm. Mistakes are correctable. And, and you know, when you look at it from that point of view, that they have places that they can go, that's just really exciting. It is super exciting. And it's almost like, you know, I've made this analogy before, but if you're you're a kid and you behave a certain way and then all of a sudden one day you're terrible, you're like, wait, no, I know that you can be well-behaved. And I'm sure you understand this as a parent. Like, I know, I know that you have the capacity to be well-behaved, but now you're coming back and you're showing me this. And so it kind of changes, it changes it for you. All right, coming up, let's get into a little bit more of what surprised us while Luca was out, what we expect when Luca comes back. And then, of course, we got to talk about if the Mavericks should make trades. All right, Kirk, was there anything that surprised you while Luca was out? We, we've seen now five games, and Luca might be back you know, right after Christmas, but we've seen five games without him. Did anything surprise you about any individual players or the team as a whole? Good question. So I believe somehow I have covered for Mavs Moneyball four out of the last five games um, for the team, and <laughs> I was the covering the eh, – I'm just a moron who keeps signing up on the Google Sheet – um, and it, I remember writing against the heat that, you know, there's not really a silver lining to, to Luka Doncic being out, but if Porzingis is able to work through some of his, I don't call it discomfort, but just some of, some of the things that, that aren't working for him, mainly his shot. Uh, I still don't think he's really worked through his shot, but you know, over the last four and a half games, he really has gotten more opportunities and I have been wildly impressed with his play um 10 games ago i might when people were asking who's the second best maverick i wouldn't really have a good answer in my head i knew it should be porzingis but frankly he wasn't and he's had i think five straight games with a double double he is still kind of shooting you know but he is attacking and he is looking like a guy who should inspire fear in the defense and that is so valuable. I look forward to the Mavericks figuring out how you know he can he how Luca can frankly get him the ball a little more in the coming weeks because when he's off the dribble going at the rim or at least diving at the rim, he's scary. There's not much things can do about it. 
uh, he had one play. He, he he just like he panicked the Raptors tonight, and and really, you know, he went at Joel. He went at Joel Embiid and and the Sixers the other night. That that might have been the finest game he played all year. So that's like kind of my takeaway. Looking, you know, as as you know, they've been without Doncic. Yeah, Porzingis has been the big winner, I think, uh, and he still has another level to go. Like he said, his shot is still not completely there. Uh, he's still just kind of getting back into the game. If he has, you know, you talk about a baseball player, they have five tools, right? Well, offensive mm-hmm. players in the NBA, they have tools as well. Porzingis's tools, you talk about, you know, he can spot up and hit shots. He can catch lobs. He can, you know, do the pick and roll. He can... Uh, pick and pop and catch, you know, and shoot off the move. He can drive, you know, he's getting some of these things back. And if he just does like one at a time and eventually he'll become this five tool, you know, for sure, you know, offensive superstar, you know, unique player that we've never seen before. That's the, you know, that's the pinnacle for the Mavericks. They need that guy to come back. And so slowly, but surely these things are coming back. And I think this week we've seen, you know, his driving ability, like you said, that's the thing that's come back. And so now I'm interested to see what else comes back for him. Does he start shooting, you know, 40% from three? Does he start, you know, what comes back next for him? Yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure for him. His shot is particularly, not really a shot expert, but I can't remember who pointed out to me, but somebody said that his shot is so arm heavy at this point. I'm not sure if this year is really going to be a good example for his shot. But what he, what I'm really loving is the defense. He against the Raptors was fierce at the rim. There were a couple of like you know uh, uh, distractions on dunks and things like that and on cuts. So if if you know he's he's feeling more comfortable defensively at this point, his his you know contributions in terms of scoring. If Luca's playing, if Luca even you know resumes at 85 percent of what he was, any sort of KP scoring is a bonus. So it's it's pretty exciting. That's wild. That you when you think of Porzingis, you think of, oh, he's a seven foot three guy that can shoot. And you don't think of, well, that's a bonus now, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. Like the, almost the threat of Porzingis being a shooter and giving the Mavericks that spacing has been more of an asset than him actually scoring the ball. Yep. That's pre- that's been pretty crazy for me to see that and to to see Porzingis and how the Mavericks can use him. Um Tim Hardaway Jr. has been a player that has kind of just been been up and down for the Mavericks, but they've needed him and they've relied on him. Are you where where are you at right now with Tim Hardaway Jr. as a player? Does he still frustrate you to no end, or are you kind of accepting him for you know the player that he could potentially be? The the last five games, if we're including Miami, the fact that they've needed him is is you know there's not much you can do about it. If you need Tim Hardaway Jr. in games where Porzingis is playing, that's a different discussion. Uh, so for him to be one of the many next men up Mavs candidates in terms of guys who come in and play, you know, even if he's starting and he plays, let's say he plays 28 minutes a game, I have no idea what he's playing. His willingness to shoot is a value for the team. So as long as he's, you know, in that role where he's taking shots as he's been, you know, as he's given them, I'm fine with that. I don't love his tendencies. Uh, you know, it's really tough when in a game, you know, against the Raptors, he just is forced to take a lot of terrible mid-range shots. So it's hard to be too upset with him. I think he's a really big asset. I don't know if they need him. I do think, though, he has been part of the puzzle to unlocking how fun the offense has been. It's, I, I don't know. I, I'm a, I know we're going to talk trades. I'm, I'm just a little... 
moving on from a guy like him scares me because he's he's just that interesting to the team. <laughs> Which is crazy to think about because maybe at the beginning of the season we would just trade him for nothing just to get the salary off the books. Right. Which is wild. That's how crazy that this ride has been for Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, yeah, I don't – yeah, he his skill set is is and the reason why he got paid a bunch of money is his skill set is so important. If you can have a guy that can you know get his own shot and also hit shots off of you know catch and shoot really well and be really athletic and get out in space and like he can do he can do a lot of things that you want on an offense and and fill in a lot of little holes here and there. But his shot is just so inconsistent that um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just tough. All right, let's get into it a little bit. Do you think the Mavericks should make a trade right now for anybody? The only way I think they should make a trade is if they were to acquire someone that can raise their floor. Uh, I'm not particularly – I'm just – I'm really concerned about chemistry. Everything you read and when you hear players talk, the kind of guys who would be included in a trade, your Courtney Lees, your Dwight Powells – are, are, are valuable in some way, shape, or form. And I'm still a little scarred by the Rondo trade. That team... Just haunts uh, this team, man. Well, they were so good offensively. They were over... You know, at that point, they were... I, I remember Mavs Moneyball, we had a guy, Tim Brown, who has since moved on from the site, write this, this piece about how they were the best offense of all time to the point when he had wrote, written it. And, you know, I don't think Dallas is quite there right now, but there's a little bit, there's just such a solid sample of how well that they're playing that I worry about mixing something up. You know, it, it, it just, it just kind of scares me. Now I'm very interested in the kind of players our fan base thinks Dallas needs. <laughs> um, I would like to talk with you a little bit about that if you have time, but I don't, my head is, I don't want to trade right now. Yeah, you just you look around and you say, well, what needs to be upgraded the most? And you're like, well, can we get a player like that? And if not, then I think a lot of players, a lot of fans, just they kind of really want trades. They they like the idea of trades. Um, yeah, coming up, let's get into that. Let's get into the kinds of players that fans seem to want to trade for, and if that is the best case scenario for the Mavericks. Yep. All right, Kirk. So you mentioned it. The kinds of players that, that fans seem to want, or at least the fans on Twitter, and I know that's still, we use it a lot as a sample size. It's really not the biggest sample size of, of Mavericks fans, but they seem to always want the Steven Adams types, the Andre Drummonds, the Julius Randles, you know, guys like that. I'm not really on board bringing guys like that onto this team because if you, I mean, Dwight Powell made two threes against the Raptors. He's not really a three-point shooter. He's open a lot, but the Mavericks most of the time can put out five three-point shooters on the on you know, the floor at all times. And that's huge for this offense. Yes. Yes. And there's kind of two ways of thinking about this. There, there, there's the, I, at least from what I have just, you know, seen, there's this idea that the Mavs need a, a banger and a rebounder. And then there's this idea that the Mavericks need, you know, if, if they're able to get the best possible player in a trade, that's something they could do. I want to address the second idea first. Now, if this were free agency, you go get the best player and figure out the fit later. That's what free agency is for. For the chemistry and, and right, right. And chemistry in season matters a lot. So going and getting a guy like Drummond, 
who in terms of sheer statistics and things like that is probably the best guy who seems available on the market. But I don't particularly understand why fans are that interested in him because I want to know why people think Dallas is winning. And it's not because of rebounding, banging, and blocking shots. It's because they're mowing people down on offense. And so that's that. That's the first thing that I'm really interested in. I just don't understand why we have this. And I think it might be stoked largely from kind of an older school basketball mentality. I don't want to crap on that and say people are wrong, but I'm just – you know, we have 30 games to sample at this point. The Mavericks are killing people on offense. Why would you want to screw with that? Yeah, and to, to add a guy, you know, like Drummond, who's going to demand, you know, 30, 34 minutes a night, who is not going to give you everything you want on offense. He can make some plays, but he's not a shooter. Uh, no. He's, he's going to change that whole thing. So you're talking 30, 34 minutes a night. You're changing drastically the dynamic of this Mavericks team, which is huge. And then trying to figure out how him and Porzingis can play well together because – you know, you can't play them separately for so for you know you can't stagger them that long, and uh, no. figuring figuring that out. Like I've I've never really been into bringing in Drummond before they brought in Porzingis. You'd think about it, but yeah, I don't I don't think they need a rebounder well, like and, that. They've been in all these games with with these teams, you know, the Bucks and the Sixers that rebound really well, and they've rebounded just as well as them. Exactly, and so let's let's take Dwight Powell, who is often the bully boy for people, even like me. I tend to pick on the guy. Just Same, me he, too. He, he drives me nuts. But he did some things today. You know, you mentioned his, I think his willingness to shoot and his willingness to drive at the basket from the three-point line is as of much value as like some of the, the raw statistical contributions because it forces the defense to do something about it. If Andre Drummond is setting screens at the top of the key like DeAndre Jordan was last year and then he gets the ball, does anyone actually think he's going to shoot? Does anyone actually think he's going to drive? If you do, I have some land I'd like to sell you. You should reach out to me at Kirk Serious Face uh, uh, on Twitter. It's it's just not something the guy's good at. Yeah, I talked a lot in the the post game recap about you know Dwight Powell being able to attack closeouts. Now this is not something that we saw Dwight Powell do a couple years ago. And the same thing can be said about Maxie and about Dorian Finney-Smith. All three of those guys have started to attack closeouts in ways that we hadn't seen over the last couple of years. And it's been been huge for this offense. Now, maybe an Andre Drummond can do that exact same thing, but I think it there's still the problems that we mentioned before. Um, but yeah, his, his, the willingness for, for Dwight Powell and just kind of the surprise of Dwight Powell too. Like people aren't expecting that they yeah. have. You have a book on, on Andre Drummond. Um, and then, of course, this is all on the court stuff, the off the court stuff of, of his contract. And then do you resign him? All that kind of stuff. It's just it's too big. I don't I, I can't put 30 million dollars into a center spot when the best possible scenario in, in lineup for the Mavericks is playing Porzingis at the five. Right. Right. And that is an undervalued thing. I mean, I, I believe that most of our fans had expected Porzingis to rebound like he has been this year. But I don't think it's been properly contextualized how much better he is at that now than he was the last time he played. I mean, he's just outstanding at this point. And so to to want to move away from that is very odd to me. I do think that there is at least some discussion. You know, I don't know if Robert Covington is actually available 
Bill Simmons is like gaslighting the basketball world by putting <laughs> that out into the universe. I know. But that's that's the sort of guy wings. My my man Doyle Raider at at Mavs Moneyball always sends me gifts of like chicken wings getting tossed <laughs> because he loves wings. And his idea mainly is that Dallas can't really guard opposing wings. And you you saw that today against the Raptors to some degree in those Kyle Lowry who was carving them up. The way modern basketball is played now, six, seven guys who are able to shoot and defend are the future, and Covington is the prototypical guy. He's outstanding. Yeah, I, I made this joke, and I'll continue to make it, that I don't know if there's been a single NBA mailbag from any team, anybody that's covered any team that hasn't had, can my my team, you know, insert my team name, trade for Robert Covington? Feel like, and that's important. I I think that's a value because we have so many of our of, of our of our of our fans and people who like the Mavs who seem confused by it. And I just gotta say, guys, it's not about raising the ceiling; it's about raising the floor. I have been as impressed and issued mea culpas on Dorian Finney-Smith as much as everybody. Bob Covington is better. This is not a question. He is better. So what if you had both? Imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think fans totally would want to trade for that. It's just what what you would give up, how you could, you know, and what you would have to actually change of this team to make that happen. Um, yeah, it's just it's, it's just really interesting to think about what they would have to do, how they would make a trade, and uh, but I understand the idea of wanting to make a trade. Isaac and I love trades maybe more than anybody. We do fake trades all the time. Or, or Isaac is always sending me, you know, trade me screen trade machine screenshots and it's a little sad for us that this Mavericks team is probably better off just not making a trade because this season should be all about making Luca and Porzingis work well together unless you can come up with some you know Drew Holiday where you don't give up a whole lot like <laughs> an insane trade scenario I don't think that a trade is the best for this Mavs team right now but it makes me love them that much more like there was this superb quote I think it was from Jalen Brunson after the Sixers game yeah. where he talked about the championship uh, history that had already been laid that they're trying to follow, which made me laugh because it ma- mainly means JJ Briggs. He's the <laughs> only one who's still alive. Uh, but it's like such a cool thing that I, I just can't get past how I feel like all of these guys play for one another. They yeah. like one another. And that's just so rare. I, I you know, You've come of age in, in the inner in, in podcasting the last you know how many how many years you've been doing locked on now? This is this will be the third year. So third year, I tell you, six years ago, I don't really know if the Mavericks liked each other the way these guys like each other. <laughs> you know, there's there's always stuff that goes on in locker rooms where we don't we don't really know. We kind of hear whispers of the Mavs are good and tight with it. You know, we started to see some of that Dennis Smith stuff around around January last year. As much as those guys you know, tried to be cordial and professional. But, like, I think locker rooms really getting along is an underrated thing. And I think it's the sort of thing that would boost, you know, to circle back around to an earlier question from you, if the Mavericks had the chance, you know, they want to get – I'm sure they want to get to the finals, but I'm sure they're they're really hoping on simply making the second round. I mean, I don't think Western Conference Finals is out of the question. I just don't. and And that's just incredible to think, and I think that's where the chemistry comes into play. And it totally the, their path totally matters. I mean that that Portland Trailblazers team last year is not the second best team in the West last year, right? <laughs> but their path right. they made it to the Western Conference Finals because of their path. And if 
you know, the Clippers, they're, you know, they just lost the game to OKC. They, they blow games here and there. If the Clippers end up in, you know, without home court advantage and the Mavericks maybe end up at four or however it works out, um, then your path could be, you know, without playing the Lakers or the Clippers. And then at that point, you know, you're like, yeah, heck yeah, let's make the Western Conference Finals if you're that team. So the path really matters. All right, Kirk, we really appreciate you joining the pod and uh, and talking to us about the Mavericks and how you feel about it. You, you seem more positive now than you did at the beginning. Well, I needed this because we're recording this Sunday night, and I just put out a 10-minute podcast where I basically yell into the void about how pissed <laughs> I was about the previous game <laughs> so maybe people will forgive me for for my short-term heat there you go all right guys appreciate you listening to lockdown maps we'll be back discussing more i think we have a tim cato episode coming out tomorrow so guys appreciate you listening to us on lockdown maps peace out boom it's